No, I just want to be a sheep. Jesus is making it unequivocally clear that he is a relational God. The Father is seeking quality time with you, not necessarily quantity time. Hi everyone, my name is Kelvin. Welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. Today on the podcast, we have the latest message from our series, Righteousness by Heart. Today's message is entitled, When You Pray. And if you want to follow along, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Our engaged question for today is, how do we pray? Do we pray with the expectation that God knows and cares? And do we pray knowing that we are in the very presence of God? These and many more things will be answered. Hope you have a fantastic time listening. Make sure to share it with a family member or friend if you are changed by today's message. Here's Pastor Michael. The atmosphere is changing now because the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. You believe it this morning? I know I do. I can feel it. Thank you, praise team and Kyle and Megan for leading us thus far. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. Here's where we are this morning in the sermon series, Righteousness by Heart. We're in the, the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' magnum opus. It's his, it's his words to us about what the kingdom is about. Maybe it's his term paper or his thesis, his doctoral essay. It's there out in front of us in plain language. And today we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there. We're coming and gathering under the question, how do we pray? Last week we asked the question, how do we give? Today we're looking at how do we pray? And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, I want to offer you something this morning. God is still on the throne. You want to know how I know? He showed up in my life this week. I don't want to tell you about it today, but we're going we're gonna to get there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, I should say. As we open up scripture, let's bow our heads for one more word of prayer. God of grace, God of mercy, and God of resurrection, we gather this morning, some of us with heavy hearts. God, we need a word from on high. We need you to show up. The atmosphere has changed. The spirit is here. Now pour forth into our lives a word directly from your throne of grace. God, may you be present even now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus continues Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 on the screen for you. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that this is all the reward they will ever get. Right here in this section of scripture, Jesus is is giving not three commands, but three encouragements. When you give last week, when you pray this week, and next week we're going to look at when you fast. They're not commands. They're assumed that this is a regular practice of the Christian life, of the Jewish culture. These are spiritual practices that are core to following God and walking in his way. They're assumed that they're part of the regular lifestyle of the people that he's speaking to. He's not having to encourage them to pray, to give, or to fast, but he's saying, hey, when you do so, 
here's some things that you must keep in mind. Jesus tells the people that are gathered there on that mount of blessing, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love the publicity. They're out on the streets. They're shouting loudly so that everyone can hear their prayers. These hypocrites, that that word is used to describe public actors. You can think of your favorite Broadway show, perhaps. They have an outward appearance, but there's no inward transformation. They walk off the stage back to the real world. For a few moments, things appear differently. They're acting it out. That outward expression is not reflective of a transformed heart. Jesus says, be careful. Jesus says, watch out. Don't be like them because they're going to get their reward. Last week we looked at when you give, when you give publicly looking for people to pat you on the back, God says, hey, you're going to get the pat on the back and that's all that you will get. Jesus says, when you pray publicly and do it in this masquerade before everyone else so that everyone can hear, you'll get the awe and the wonder, but that's all you will get. The picture comes to mind for Jesus and the people that are talking here of the Pharisees who would gather at the synagogue. And there was several different times during the day that, that the, the Jews were supposed to pray. And there was a specific time and specific prayers. And the Pharisees would just happen to find themselves in the most public of places when those times of prayer would come. You've seen the pictures of the wailing wall in Jerusalem with Men rocking back and forth and muttering under their breath or crying out loudly with arms lifted to heaven or faces down towards the earth. There's a public display of the dialogue that's going on between them and God. And Jesus says, this isn't the way. This isn't what I want you to do. He continues on in verse 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 puts it this way. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus says prayer is not something that is out in the public for everyone to see. He says no, it's behind a closed door. It's where you and I come close to one another. What he's really describing is solitude. Not isolation. Isolation will lead you to destruction. There's danger in isolation. But solitude is planned and it's intentional. It's stepping back from the worries and the cares of life and getting into a space where you and God can talk. There's something to be said about being alone. For some of us, it's unconscionable to think about being alone in a space and maybe you should try it and see if you like it. Others of us fear being alone. We've got to wrestle with that as well. And what's interesting is that perhaps we'll pay extra to have the private suite or the the condo that's down at the end of the row, to have our own private room, a space that we can call our own if only your roommate would... I'm not going to go there. For me, I find quiet and stillness. My wife and I go on vacation. We love going to the mountains Love going to where you can just be in God's cathedral with mountains rising in east, west, north, and south, and you're hiking in the midst of the trees. And I remember last summer, we got a chance to go to Colorado. And the place that we were staying had a balcony that overlooked the mountains and to wake up early in the morning and come and sit with Jesus. The quiet breezes blowing by. We're out in the middle of the mountains. You can't 
smell any of the pollution. You see the birds flitting by. Look at the beautiful different colors of the trees. And it's there that Jesus and I got to sit down with one another. It's in the quiet and in the stillness that we can experience God. A friend of mine has been challenging me. He tells me that he'll he'll shut his door at his place of work and spend 15 minutes with his phone off, his screen away. No book, no anything, no plans, anything. Just sitting in the still and the quiet. He says it's so centering. It's a place that I take that 15 minutes. Sometimes I'm praying, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes it takes me 15 minutes to get into a posture of prayer. But it's transformed his life and I'm trying to bring it into mine. Henry Nouwen puts it this way. Without without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. I would offer to you today that without solitude, it is virtually impossible to pray. We must find space and time to be alone with God. He says, shut the door. Bar entry to any outside distraction that will take your mind and your focus and your attention away from me. Prayer requires exclusion of distractions. Or it can be just us and just God. And you know those little black devices that we keep in our pockets, right? They buzz and they tick and they make pretty noises and we feel all important when they come and then they ring. But we can be focused in on Jesus and a notification pop up on a screen and we'll find ourselves half an hour later someplace else. Putting aside distractions is the invitation of Jesus. He says, shut the door, close the windows. By the way, this is not something that everybody else should see. And yes, we pray publicly. And thank you, Kyle, this morning for praying publicly for us. We need that. But prayer is not something to perform before others so that everybody can see how good of a spiritual walk you have. No, 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 no. Power is found in the quiet place. In the place where you and Jesus can get alone by yourselves. You see, when we pray, we are in the very presence of God. God comes down to us. He raises us up to him. God sees you in private and will reward you. As I was studying this week, a a story or an articulation that Jesus gave to his disciples, perhaps a parable, it was probably a real story, coming from Luke chapter 18 verses 9 through 14, came to mind as Jesus is showing us that it's about private prayer and not public prayer. He puts it this way, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. We would never be guilty of that, would we? Ooh, be careful. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. By the way, I used the New Living Translation this morning. They don't get this one exactly correct. It says, really in the Greek, it says that the Pharisee was praying to himself. So he's having an inner dialogue. His prayer is not not going up. He's talking to himself. He prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters and sinners and adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. 
I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What a powerful story. Jesus comparing these two experiences. He says, you're going to reap the reward whichever you choose. The Pharisee was giving a testimony about how he wasn't like the others. And the tax collector was simply saying, God, take me as I am. I'm a sinner in need of grace. You see, we can be so distracted by keeping these practices and praying the right way and doing it in such a way that we forget that these practices are supposed to keep us. Prayer is not something to be performed. Prayer is something that brings us close to the heart of God. No performance will get us there. Jesus continues on. Public versus private prayer, and now he's got something else that he's, he's got a bone to pick with these people and how they're praying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Jesus says, it's quality prayer, not quantity prayer. Peter did not have to beg and almost drown while he was being sucked in by the waves and say, Lord, help me, 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 Lord, help me. No, no, no. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches down and pulls Peter from the water. You know, we see the, sing the kids' song sometimes, right? I just want to be a sheep, ba 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 ba. I don't want to be from Babylon. I don't want to be from Babylon because they just babble on and on and on and on. And we'll get silly. You know, you've been to summer camp. You've been to children's Sabbath school. On and on and on and on and on. No, I just want to be a sheep. Jesus is making it unequivocally clear that he is a relational God. The Father is seeking quality time with you, not necessarily quantity time. And to think about this last verse is it should blow our minds. He says, don't be like them because there's an assumption when we pray over and over again, repeating the same words that maybe God will hear me this time. It's the same what happened with Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings. It's the showdown. Is Baal God? Is God God? And the prophets of Baal spent all day repeating themselves, saying, won't you show up? Won't you bring fire down from heaven? And Elijah kind of pokes at him a little bit. He's like, ah, Baal's probably in the bathroom. Maybe he's not back from vacation yet. Maybe you should shout a little bit louder because he could hear you. But then Elijah pours water on that altar and he prays a simple prayer. God, show up. And immediately fire came down from heaven. God knows your needs even before you ask. That's the God that we serve. Not the God that needs to be appeased and, and words be uh, just kind of vomiting from our mouth in prayer. No, 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 no. The invitation is to, to pray to God in the same way that you would have a meaningful conversation with a friend or a spouse or a significant other. We are speaking to a God who knows what we need before even the words escape our mouths. God knows God cares, and he's anxiously awaiting to hear from you. Put a question out on uh, Instagram this week, our engaged question, how do we pray? And somebody wrote back, and they said, 
We gotta talk to God openly and with vulnerability, knowing that he can take our mess. He can take broken people like you and like me and turn us and transform us into something amazing. Ellen White puts it this way, Steps to Christ, page 93. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. She continues on, prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. And what better place to be than in the presence of Jesus. So we've talked perhaps a little philosophically about prayer, right? Got to do it in private, not in public. It's quality over quantity. And then the question pops into my mind, and in my mind, and I probably into yours as well. Well, how then do we pray? Jesus, what's, what's the way? What's the roadmap? What's the template? Is there a user manual? Did we like miss it in the box as we're unpacking Christianity? Did it fall somewhere? We just having to put this Ikea piece of furniture together without the instructions? This is complicated. Jesus says, I've got something for you. Pray then in this way. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus lays out the template of prayer. We know this as the Lord's Prayer. And it could be easy, like we could, we could spend an entire sermon series just breaking it down line by line, but I want to give you the forest vision today. We're going to look at the forest and not the trees. As Jesus gives this template to his disciples, he maps it out in very specifics. There are three petitions in the beginning that are asking God to be who God says he is. And then there are four specific petitions that directly involve our care and well-being. Ask God to be who he says he is. God, may your name be holy because his name is holy. May your kingdom come because do we ever need the kingdom of God? than we do right now. May your will be done, O oh God. And it's only when we recognize God as holy and we ask for the kingdom and for his will to be done, then can our desires be ordered to ask what God would have us ask. When we focus first on God, then we can know what to pray for. Prayer focused on God first orders our dis ordered hearts. Prayer orders our disordered desires. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray. Simply coming and saying, God, you're holy. May your kingdom be done. May your will be done. The whispers come and we understand, God, I need food for today. I'm not going to keep it on a storage shelf. I'm not going to put it in the refrigerator. I need God. I need food for today. God, I need forgiveness in the same way that I'm seeking to forgive others. And God, I need protection from the evil one. 
I need protection from temptation. So the question we asked a few moments ago, how do we pray? Do we pray with an expectation that God knows and God cares? Do we pray in a way that orders our disordered desires? Do we pray knowing that we are in the very presence of a God who cares? David Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it this way. Prayer is beyond question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest, and woman, humankind, is at its greatest and highest when upon their knees he comes face to face with God. There is no greater place to be than in the presence of God. And the invitation of Jesus is to set aside the public proclamation of prayer and to come into the quiet space. And not to vainly say over and over again our needs and desires, but to simply have a conversation with a God who cares. So let's break the gates wide open. What would our community look like if we prayed then in that way? That we're coming before God on our own in the private. We're praying for one another. We're praying for our community. We're praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God is eagerly waiting for us to be in relationship with him. And the first thing we can do and say, God, you are holy. I'm in need of you. Would you come close? Would you be present in my life? So let's pray like we've never prayed before. Big, audacious prayers that only God can answer. Prayers that open our hearts up to God as if we're speaking to a friend, not in demonstration, but in transformation. And I get it, right? Like that's that's cool words. We've come to a, a good spot. Like what does that actually look like in my life? What does that look like for me? Felt like my prayers have just been hitting this the ceiling lately. What's what's going on? Pastor, do you have some hope for me? Earlier this week, uh, it's uh, flag football intramural season. Anybody playing flag football at the university? There's a few of you. Yeah, yeah, I see you. And that evening, I I decided to to walk over to, we live about a mile away from where we were playing, so I decided to walk over, enjoyed the game, um, had a good time. I think we won, I don't remember. Walking back, I've got my headphones, and I like to listen to podcasts or music when I walk or when I run. And I'm walking away from the field up above the, the duck pond. And I'm thinking about like, ah, oh, what am I going to listen to? And I, I put a podcast on. It's going to be interesting. I was going to learn something on the walk home. And something said, hey, hold, hold on. What are you listening to? And you know that inner dialogue, right? It's like, oh, no, this is good. I'm going to learn something. This is going to be great. It's like, hold on. You've got about 15 minutes between where you are now and home with zero distractions. Put that phone away. It's late in the night. Put the headphones away. Why don't you come into my presence? said, all right, God, here I am, walking down the street, old Betsy, you've been there, you've driven there, you've walked there, passing the, the front of campus, and God began to take me on a journey. So I said, God, here I am, I don't even know, I don't, I don't even know how to pray. God, what, what, what would you have for me? So I'm walking across campus, and I, or along the road, I'm looking at campus, God began to point out specific places where I've had life change happen. Been in a parking lot, praying out, crying out to God because of a broken relationship. God says, I was with you there. 
looking up at the building that I studied for a number of years in theology and wondering about my call to ministry. And God said, I was with you there. I looked at the little bench underneath a tree in between the Maybe Center and the Pachero Hall where my wife and I would gather for devotionals in the morning before she was my wife. And at that same bench where I got down on one knee in a very early morning hour, surprising her with a proposal. God says, I was with you there. And in that moment, as I set aside distractions, and I said, God, here I am. What's your word for me? His word for me this week was, I am with you. I would have missed it. The music playing, and man, I got to learn something. I got to listen to some music. God wants to walk with you. And I don't know where your quiet place is. It's on the side of the road of Old Betsy. It's in the dorm room, the bathroom stall, corner of Walmart, your car. I was talking to somebody this week. They're like, my car is my safety net. That's my space. That's where I come. That's my sanctuary with God. I don't know where that is. It's 15 minutes before you clock in at work. I don't know where it is for you, but I encourage you this week to run there. Because God is waiting and willing to give you a message on high. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. So I invite you this morning to pray like you never have before. To try a conversation with the Almighty. He'll raise you up when you're feeling low and give you exactly what you need. So how do we pray? Thanks so much for listening to the message from Elevate Retake. Make sure to stay tuned for the Retake conversation dropping in your feed every single Thursday. We hope you got a good grasp of the message and you're ready for the discussion we have later on throughout the week. You can find us on Instagram at Elevate Retake and we'd love for you to leave us a voice message over on the Anchor app. You can find the link to that and all our social media in the description. We'll see you next time.